you're listening to Unique Leaders Podcast. I'm Megan DiMartino. Success is in the story. Each week, I'll be speaking with a unique leader, not only in their field, but in their lives. Join us for a glimpse of their passion and talents. There's always a surprise in their story. Be the first to hear. Hello, 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 and welcome to Unique Leaders Live. It's all about you. And I am so excited to have my guests today, Kim and Mike Barnes. I'm Megan DiMartino, and I am going to guide this journey of their lives. And we are here in my home, and we were just talking about that, Kim, Mike, and I, how with all of these Zoom calls that uh, and lives that people are coming into personal homes. And that's really exciting to me because we've been doing this from the Novitas Bond Medical Rejuvenation Clinic for a long time now. And it's really about a personal journey of my guests' lives. So I thought, well, what better way to do it in, out of my home? So we are here today uh, with Kim and Mike Barnes. And just to give you a little background, I've known uh, Kim for quite a few years now in the Austin market in networking and working together with women's organizations. And recently have met her uh, wonderful husband, Mike, uh, who uh, they have joined forces together with the Barnes Media Group. And today they're going to share their story because it's all about them. Because I don't want to go on and on about them, but they have been in uh, newscasting and sportscasting and media for many, many years. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on Kim and Mike Barnes. Thanks, Hello, Megan. It's so good, to, so good to be with you today. My pleasure to have you. So as I shared in the introduction, that it really is all about you. And uh, I have been a solopreneur, um, Kim and Mike, for about 30 years. And in this journey, there have been many ups and downs and ins and outs and pivots, as they call it today. And what's so fascinating to me is that people, and it could be people even generally my age or many years younger, but will say, what did you do? How did you do this? But it really is not a one answer. It's a years of the story. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes I think it's interesting when you look back and you realize even some of the paths that you took that at the time didn't seem like they made sense necessarily. But when you look back, you realize, oh, this part prepared me for one part of what I'm doing now. And this part prepared me for the other part of what I'm doing now. Absolutely. And I would say that's called walking in faith on some level, you know, maybe blind faith, but certainly having a, uh, a goal or a dream in your heart. Mm -hmm. So back to a dream in your heart. So let's start with ladies first. Is that okay, Mike? That's fine. Okay. He's, he's very she, much a She gentleman. can talk the entire time. She's very. No, no, very no. You're not going to be. Oh, no, no. <laughs> you don't get a hall pass with this much. Oh, sure. But I, you know, ladies first, I thought about it, that how I was going to uh, conduct this, uh, you know, conversation with both of you, because that's really what this is. Mm -hmm. And so, Kim, I, I think, and I'm not 100% sure about this, but uh, you are from Texas. I grew up in the Houston area, yes. We moved there when I was four and then lived there until I went off to college. And where did you go to college? Went to the University of Texas. 
Okay. You're in Austin and let, you know, graduated, went away for two and a half years for my first job. And then when we, when we got married, came back. So we've been here ever since. And we met in college in a journalism class, actually. It's a really long story, but. Yes. But so you both went to the University of Texas. Yes. We did. Yeah. He grew up in the Dallas area. Yep. Okay. Okay. And so you met in college and in college, but did you both have the a goal, dream, and aspiration to be in media? Yes. Well, you, you came in with it. I didn't come in with it, but quickly I did. But you. Yeah, but when we met, we met in the spring of 1988 in the broadcast journalism class. And we were in that class because we wanted to be broadcast journalists. Mm -hmm. And you had to try out for the sequence. And there were three classes. That was the second of the three mm -hmm. classes. We weren't in the first class mm -hmm. together. And then we, mm -hmm. we met in that second class, uh, spring of 88. But you went to UT. I knowing... went to UT knowing I wanted to be a sports guest. Right. Uh, I went to UT thinking I wanted to be a doctor. Okay. Which is, that lasted a day or yeah, so. Well, it was a little longer than that. But then I realized, hmm, I don't really like science that much. Mm -hmm. And I don't really want to be in school until I'm 30. And I saw these two uh, older girls in my sorority who were walking around with these old fashioned back in the day tape recorders, that, really these, like these big tape recorders that, that you used for um, the radio class. And I thought, ooh, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I quit. I finally decided that I think I really wanted to be a doctor because I could just prove to my dad <laughs> that I could be one if I wanted to be. And I realized that probably wasn't a really good reason. And in essence, he wanted you to be happy and do what made your heart sing. And so you followed your heart. And so speaking of heart, your heart link over there, uh, Mr. Mike. Uh, so you grew up in the Dallas area and you um, then because, you know, coming from New York, I will share this, that most, well, because the states along the eastern seaboard, you know, they're kind of small, except for New York and Pennsylvania. And so the kids go to schools up and down the coast, mm -hmm. where in Texas, kids stay in Texas. Well, you 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 thought about going yeah, to Syracuse. I, I thought about leaving. I, I looked at Syracuse. I looked at Missouri. I looked at Northwestern. Because I was uh, I was so shy, especially around girls, that I thought, okay, if I get out of Texas, I'll be a new man. I'm going to be able to attract all these beautiful women. It's going to be great. And I looked at all three campuses, all three schools. And I was like, yeah, I'm a Texan. I've got to stay home. So <laughs> I decided to go to UT. That's what I see. And I have heard that they have a great uh, uh, department for what you both went yeah, to. Yeah, they had, and that was part of it too. That was part of it, yeah, it was, realized, it was the best one in Texas, so. That's what that's I've heard. Yeah, so then you met, and I know a little bit about this story because you <laughs> shared it a tad, and you just um, mentioned that you were shy, yes. and so that, most people would think that is the absolute opposite of a person in media, mm -hmm. that a person would be shy. Yeah. So share a little bit about kind of the mindset or the backstory of that. Meaning you feel that people, not just yourself, but that people who uh, perceive or feel that they're shy go into that field from your experience? No, most people who are shy or an introvert like I do, I am, stay away from being on, on camera. And back in the old days before the internet, you know, being on camera, being on, on TV. But I knew from an early age, when I was in elementary school, I knew I either wanted to be a sportscaster, mm -hmm. quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, or right fielder for the Texas Rangers. 
Okay. And there was one time, probably around 1977, I thought I would be all three <laughs> at the same time. I had it figured out exactly the exact schedule. Wasn't exactly sure about the overlap in September of baseball and football, but I had it all figured out. I was going to do all three. He's a and planner. Then, and then slowly, you know, around seventh grade, I realized I would never be quarterback for the Cowboys. By ninth grade, I realized I'd never be right fielder for the Rangers, <laughs> but I still wanted to be a sportscaster. So I put my mind on that and I, and I figured out and I, I tell our, our clients, uh, the, the people who take our classes right now, that I tell everyone that, that I learned at a very early age that A, the camera does not bite and B, if you can just picture someone on the other side of that lens, and, you know, back in the old days, it was that big old camera lens, mm -hmm. but even if it's a small lens on your computer, if you picture someone on the other side of that lens, be it a friend, a family member in the business world, the ideal client, whatever it may be, and talk to that camera lens like you're talking to that person. Then you forget about the fact that you're shy anymore because I was fine one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. if I'm talking to a friend about mm -hmm. the Cowboys or the Rangers or mm -hmm. whatever it may be, things were great. Mm -hmm. So that's all I think about. I don't think about the fact that it could be a beautiful girl like him <laughs> looking. It could be a thousand people watching. I don't think about that. I just think about that one person and communicate through the lens with that person. And, and certainly you do hear often about actors or actresses who kind of put on an alter ego, if you will, and are you know sometimes very introverted and shy, mm -hmm. but that's because that's kind of their persona. But I, I do think that in the media, you don't necessarily find as many people. You don't that see that really many shy. people like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's why I asked that question, because you do read that, yeah. that mm -hmm. an actor or actress has picked, like you said, that per behind that persona. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you met in that fateful class and <laughs> you pursued both of your uh, career, you know, your uh, education towards your career. Mm -hmm. How long after that did you uh, both get married? Or did you get married? How, how much time do you have? It's a really long story. To su suffice it to say that we had Seven dates. Seven dates in three years. Over three. He knows all the dates. Yeah, it was seven dates in three years before, before I finally got her. And we kind of fell in love, I guess you could say. Five months after that, we got engaged. And nine months after that, we got married. But that was after his terrible car accident. Yeah. So that was kind of the... the so, you know, we met, in, we met in January of 88. We got married in March of 92. So 92. Okay. Yeah. But it, but it, so there was, it was about four years, but there were a lot of gaps in between. <laughs> what did I say earlier? A lot of twists and turns. A lot of pivots. A lot of pivots. A lot of months without talking. And yeah, it was, it was, it's a long story, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's a good one. She's tough. But, but you had that um, goal in mind, correct? I mean, was that something that you truly oh yeah it was, yes. it was my goal i just didn't think i'd be able to do it because i'm so shy oh wow yeah it I, took I could, me a little while to clue in but, I, yeah. I could tell you lots of stories yeah it just yeah. I, I just i didn't i didn't open up to her because i'm so shy i didn't open up to tell her exactly how i felt and i didn't chase her very well because i'm so shy and i didn't ask her out very much because i'm so shy and when we did go out i wasn't very outgoing because i'm so shy so <laughs> It just didn't go that great. Yeah, they, <laughs> it didn't go well. You yeah. know, I think this is a very important piece, though. Um, I recall being a, a high school kid and having uh, this one particular guy come to my home all the time, but he never professed his interest ever. But he would always come to my home and hang out. My luckily, my father liked him, but uh, but it was years later that we connected again and he shared that, you know, he said exactly what you said, Mike, mm 
you know, if I only said da da, da you know, but he did not do that. Yeah. So there were a uh, lot of one-armed hugs uh, during that four years. But could potentially a missed opportunity. And that's why I'm bringing it up from that standpoint. It ended well for you, Mike. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, a miss, possibly a missed opportunity. Okay. Yeah. So you got married in 92. Yeah. And um, how, what happened after school, separate from your personal relationship? Uh, I mean, a career path. Oh, career career is, yeah. I graduated in spring of 89. Is that right? Yep. He, he's my day guy. Uh, and then I went to work for a TV station in the Waco market. That was my first job. And I was working there when Mike had his accident. And then we started dating in, when was that? Yeah, January of 91. January of 90. Well, December of 91 was when you had, December, or December of 90 was during the, was the accident. So I was there working, you know, very career. I was super career oriented. My friends, the spring of our senior year, all went on a spring break trip. You know, hey, this is our last, you know, hurrah before we all graduate. And um, I went with another broadcast journalism uh, friend who was uh, another female and we did a road trip and interviewed at all the TV stations. So spring break of my senior year, I was doing a road trip interviewing at all the small markets in Texas or not all of them, a lot of them while all my friends were out, you know, I forget where they even went, Mexico or someplace, you know, on this, on this fun trip. And then when they, and when they did their, they did a little thing guessing who would get married first and who would have kids and all of that. And the funny thing is, is out of, it was probably a 20 ish people and I was dead last. I was the one predicted to get married the, 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 the latest. latest. And what's funny is ended up being one of the first. So it was definitely not in my mind at all. You know, I was very career oriented, super focused on, you know, where I was going to be. And it's just funny how God works. And you didn't know that this man was in the wings with this, uh, you know, vision visualization right right uh, exactly exactly yes yep, exactly so then uh so and, you graduated. and what about you mike uh, I, well, I graduated early in december of 88 and i was just sure i was a little confident if you want to call it that or cocky however you want to describe it i thought it was thought it was pretty good in even though i was shy i thought it was pretty good on camera i knew i knew a lot about sports so i just knew i'd get a job like that and i'd be at espn before you knew it and I, I moved home to, uh, you know, for Christmas of 88, I moved home and celebrated the holidays, helped my, my sister move from the Dallas area to the Atlanta area right around New Year's and came back home just knowing I'd find a job. And three months later, I was waiting tables at Spaghetti Warehouse in the West End in Dallas, Texas. I've been there. And yeah. Humbling. That, that was very humbling, very eye-opening for me to where, mm -hmm. okay, you know, bring me back to earth. I did that for about three months and then got very lucky to get a job. Because it, it, it's so hard to get a to get a job, especially a sports job, mm -hmm. because so few there's so few sports casters at, at stations. You know, there may be seven or eight news reporters, but only a couple of mm -hmm. sports casters. Mm -hmm. And usually the main sports casters been there for a while. So you're looking for an entry level job. Mm -hmm. And I finally got one in June of, uh, of 89. And uh, I got there. It was in Bryan College Station at the CBS affiliate there. And had to take a pay cut. And I took a huge pay cut from waiting tables. I was making a little more than $10 an hour with tips, of course, waiting tables at Spaghetti Warehouse, which no offense to Spaghetti Warehouse, not exactly high dollar. I'm still making a little more than $10 an hour. I make $4.50 an hour as a sportscaster. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Minimum wage. Minimum wage. Yeah. Oh my. It's a, it's a, and unfortunately, I don't know that the pay is necessarily that much better <laughs> yeah. relative just to minimum, minimum wage. wage, but it's just yeah. because it's such a competitive field. And, you know, and also back when we were back in that day, 
you know, most, there were usually only three stations in a market that did news mm -hmm. or, and or sports. And so there was just so many fewer opportunities. We didn't have, you know, we barely had the internet. I mean, you know, truly. And so, you know, we didn't, there weren't, there weren't all the outlets that now have either news and or sports yeah. that are available to be able to, you know, kind of create your own job. Yeah, just, if you will. We didn't have YouTube. Yeah, we didn't have jobs, <laughs> fewer, fewer everything. Yeah. Now, I say when I started my first brand in 92, there was no website. Mm -hmm. I mean, none, there was no inter. I mean, it just, it's a yeah. different world. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Yep. Yes. So uh, before we go on, I just want to uh, share with our guests to share this out because there's so many people that would enjoy listening to Kim and Mike Barnes and their story. And we're really just in the beginning of the story. So uh, we're just scratching the surface. So do share this out and do comment and ask questions of both Kim and Mike, please. I welcome you to do that. So we'll say hello to a few people uh, that are, are joining us, but I just want to remind people to go and share this, but also to ask questions and put comments in. Mm -hmm. So, so okay, so now you're in, oh my goodness, in <laughs> College Station at for a minimum wage. Yeah. So mm -hmm. how did you make that leap? Well, I, you know, I got that job that summer and making $4.50 an hour, being very poor and being very shy, there was nothing to do. And I know you could say, oh, there's lots of things to do in a college town. Not when you don't know anybody and not when you're shy and not when you don't have any money to spend. So literally all I did was work. I, I lived about a quarter of a mile away from the, the TV station, almost a half a mile away. And I would, I would go home at night. I would get up the next morning. It's like, how many errands do you have? I'm 22 <laughs> years old. There's nothing to do. And I would get done. I would, I would get to, to work before noon, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning and just start doing things, whatever I could do to try to, to help out, to make things better, to make things more organized, to work on stories, whatever I could do. And I would work until after 11 o'clock at night. I would go home, I'd watch David Letterman, I'd watch SportsCenter, I'd come back to work the next day and I'd do it over and over. I only got paid for 30 hours a week, other than a holiday or something like that. It was a part-time job, 30 hours a week, but I wound up working 70 to 80 hours a week, every week, because I had nothing else to do. Mm -hmm. But my dad always taught me that hard work pays off. So I did that, worked my tail off for, for you know almost six months. And luckily, KVU, a job uh, opening came open at, at KVU in November. I applied for it, went in for an interview, got hired, and started on mm -hmm. December the 11th of 89. Well, and part of it was the fact that we had both interned at that TV station yeah. in college, but you had interned there for a long time. Yeah, I interned there for almost two years, from March of 87 to December of 88. Mm -hmm. I interned there and again for free, you know, an internship that didn't pay anything, but I worked depending on depending on the semester and what my other mm -hmm. job was, because I was an RA at a dorm. I worked either two nights a week or five nights a week mm -hmm. for free, just helping out. Mm -hmm. So they knew I was a hard worker. I was dedicated. I did a good job. So as soon as I got a little bit of experience, I didn't have much, but you know, a little over five months of experience. When I had that, then I had enough to where they brought me in, took a chance on me at the age of twenty-two and hired me. And you know see what I could do. And luckily I was able to work my way up a little bit to mm -hmm. prove that I belonged. Mm -hmm. You know, and the rest is history, but you know, there's the clues are in the story as well. And you've just said something about working 70, 80 hours a week. And I'm sure on some level, the reference that that station uh, shared with KVU was this, this guy is a hard working person mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that you contributed 
to so much. I, that's one of the things I love about Napoleon Hill's story is his stories about going that extra mile. Mm -hmm. And you are a living testimony to that, mm -hmm. Barnes, you know, going that extra mile. So you joined KVU mm -hmm. as a rookie, I guess you'd call it. <laughs> Definitely in, so. In, in the news room, I mean, in the uh, sports in the room. Sports office, yes. <laughs> so I was, the, I was the sports reporter for what, I guess about three years, three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And then in the summer of 93, I got promoted to weekend sports anchor. And then in the summer of 98, I got promoted to the main sports anchor. And I did that for 21 years. Wow. Wow. An award-winning guy he is. Yeah. Uh, in the, uh, not only Texas, uh, not only Austin, but in the state of Texas. Mm -hmm. He won many, many awards from the uh, best of in Austin for years and years, as well as Texas. I think it was 17 years in Austin, yeah. mm -hmm. four years in, in the state of Texas. So tremendous accolades and tremendous acknowledgement of your work. And I remember right after you left, um, you had left the station and you still won. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was the, the Austin the state. Irony. It, was, it was really interesting irony. Yes, it was mm -hmm. great, great yeah. irony. It was just a pat on your back saying, we love you. Yes. So, yeah, I, I appreciated uh, that. It was very nice for everybody. Yeah, very, very much so. Yeah. So then, Kim, so as uh, your husband was building his career, mm -hmm. um, then at some point you pivoted and had two children. And uh, both of you had. <laughs> That's right. But, but uh, during that season, you because looking at your bio, you continued to work during um, as a, a mother. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Because, you know, as we said that even though he started at, you know, the entry level was minimum wage. Right. And while it does get better, it's not it's it's not necessarily the the so not like network money. Yeah. It's not like network money or, or like what people might assume. Yeah. So, yeah, it, so, yes, I I worked at I was at KV for 12 years. Mm -hmm. And once and when we had brand, we had already been there. I'd already been there for. Five, five years, years when, when he, when Brandon was born. And then I continued to work full time and we managed it. It was a little crazy. Some days we actually anchored together for how long a year, two years, two years. We actually anchored on the weekends together. So that was kind of fun. Yeah. The, the only, the kind of one funny, quick, funny little story is when I was pregnant with Brandon, <laughs> we were still anchoring together and the way they shot it, well, I was pretty big. And with the way they shot that, the, the shot was the camera kind of came over from one side and the, and he was over here. So basically he had to look past me to get to the, where, to his camera. Mm -hmm. And so normally, because so that I wouldn't accidentally, you know, get my nose in the, in the screen, I would just sit back while he was doing his sports cast, you know, so that I wouldn't get in the shot. And one time I was leaning back and one time when she's about eight months pregnant, I was very pregnant and I sat up to no, she had she sitting back like this and she jumps and I immediately think oh my gosh the water broke what, what so, do we need to do and, and he's seeing but me I'm out live, of his I'm live on television I just see her in my peripheral vision right here but my mind is racing oh my gosh what are we gonna what are we gonna do so I do <laughs> it best I can I, I do the best I can I get through the sports cast try not to look all disheveled and worried and, you know, it was about two more minutes but that two minutes lasted forever yeah. and it finishes and, you know, tossed a break. Are you okay? Are you okay? And I was like, I was like well, yeah, what? it was fine. I just sat up and he said, Oh my gosh, I the thought way, something the way happened. You jumped. I thought that the water <laughs> broke. I was ready to take you to the hospital. Yeah. So, so that was funny, but um, behind yeah. the scenes, behind the scenes goings on. Exactly. Because it, I was in his peripheral vision, but nobody else could see what I was doing. That's right. So that was kind of, so we actually did that for 
uh, we anchored together for two years, which was really fun. And then I continued to do weekends when he went to Monday through Friday. So we somehow arranged it so that with our schedules, we actually only had a babysitter three afternoons a week with both of us working full time. Football season got a little dicier and it was, we had to be a little creative sometimes. Uh, Mike very often would find, uh, because we had to have babysitters that could come to the house because it's also very difficult to find any kind of daycare center that says, okay, we think we're going to only bring him three days a week and we should be there by 6.30, but maybe um, maybe 7.30. So we always had somebody coming to the house, which was, and again, we were so fortunate that we were able to, you know, he was with one of us predominantly, you know, uh, all the time. And so we, we did that. And then when, when I was pregnant with Taylor, they were just launching this weekend morning show and just about to launch it. It was just an idea at the time. And I said, you know, I'd really love to go part time. And they were, I was fortunate that they allowed me to do that. So I launched that morning show and with, um, with Taylor. So when she was first born and Part of the deal was they didn't, they, they said, okay. And literally I launched it in January. I did it two weekends. Taylor was born the next weekend. And so they said, gosh, we really don't want you to be off very long. Cause I took five months off when Brandon was born. We really don't want you to be off very long. You know, what can we work out? So I worked it out so that I think I took like a month off I think about a month to, you know, completely. And then I would go in and just go in for three or four hours and just do the morning show and then, and then leave. So I did that. I came back kind of sooner than I had necessarily planned, but anyway, it worked, it worked, it worked out, out well. Uh, but, but I was, then I was working just Saturdays and Sundays and then, um, and then for, Mike was yeah, for four years, for four years. And I did go back to working, anchoring the evening news pretty quickly after doing the, after launching that morning show, but that was good. And then at the end of the the four years, which I knew was going to come, they said, you know, it, it was, they You're wanted me, nice they wanted, it. they wanted me to come back full time after the first contract was up after two years. And I said, Ooh, I really like this. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, well, you know, well, let's, well, well, let's try it again for two more years. And then bosses changed. And at the end of the, the four years, I was again, so grateful because at the time there were no other part-time on air people at the station. And I don't know that they've necessarily had that since then yeah. because it's confusing. How do you, do you, are you salary? Do you get vacation? We don't even, we don't know how to do, know. how do we do this? So I was very fortunate that they let me do that. And so, but at the end they just said, you know, head count, whatever, we really need you to be full time. And with his crazy schedule, because he worked until 11 every night, I was working till 11 Saturdays and Sundays. It was just going to be so confusing to try to figure out. And the kids were four and seven by that time. So it was really going to get dicey. For, trying the, to, for the Monday through Friday part. Yeah, for the Monday through. And trying to figure out again, do you have a babysitter who's pretty flexible that if you get called out on spot news, you can you might not be home until eight or might be six. It, so anyway, so I made the choice to leave the TV station then uh, when the kids were four and seven and I still quickly became um, was asked to start doing freelance work for them again. So I've been doing sponsored content for almost that entire 15 years for some different projects. And I actually worked in a direct sales company, uh, which was kind of a funny. And that's when I was talking about earlier, that was my hard left where I thought, how in the heck does this have anything to do with what I've been doing? And it didn't, uh, although it was, it was really fun. We went on fantastic trips. You know, I took, I went on, I think we went on I went on like 16 fantastic free trips anyway. But looking back now, that sales experience helped me immensely in starting my own business. Yes. Because when you leave the newsroom with just knowing how to be a news reporter, you, you, you've never had to look for clients. You don't, you know, there's just, you've never had to market really. And so it's, it's a much different world. So that was those, the thing, when you look back, you go, Oh, 
Okay, that yeah, that that's, that's that actually made some more sense. Yeah. So right, the foundations for that next step mm -hmm. that you have no idea is coming your way. Mm -hmm. Now, in your bio, though, it does speak to you um, taught. Oh. Texas, right? Yes. yes. And that's actually kind of a funny story too, because when I was probably six months pregnant, I guess with Brandon or so, or maybe I was on about to go on maternity leave. Actually, maybe he'd already been born. I can't remember, but it was, he was, he was either about to be born or just to been born. And my news director came to me and said, I just got a call from the University of Texas and they need, they need someone to teach for the summer, for the summer school session. And I told them that you'll be off so that maybe you could do it. Yeah. And so as it turned out, I did that while I was on maternity leave with Brandon. So I had had him in April and then in June started teaching a summer school class. Um, it was so fun. I loved it. I actually still, you know, one of my students actually lives in Austin and I see her all the time, which is, which is, which is fun. But the funny part was that, you know, my boss said, oh, she'll, she, she's not working. She so she has, she's got plenty of time, plenty but, of time. but it was, it was great. Mike would bring him up and, he would be my little, we'd, when we were teaching them about doing live shots, he'd be my person that they'd have to come interview and he'd be holding Brandon. And anyway, it was really fun. Was fun. So, so yeah. I taught that semester and that, which was really fun while I was, while I was on maternity leave. And then that first actually right after Taylor was born, mm -hmm. when I had gone part time, they came back and asked me to teach a fall semester. So I was actually still working part time at KVU. I'd started working part time for a nonprofit which is a, a journalism nonprofit and taught a summer school class. So I laugh that, you know, people would say, Oh, are you staying at home? And I think, mm, yeah, not so much. I, I always had multiple jobs so that I didn't have to get a full-time real, real one. That's yeah. Right. But creative. And that's mm -hmm. what it actually takes folks. Yes. To piece all of this together to, you know, work inside the box, out of the box and around the box. Mm -hmm. and, and so I just wanted to say hello to a few people. Um, you know, it's really interesting. It's uh, often it's mostly men that come on this show. <laughs> Randy, so hello to Randy Hall and Dennis Stratton and Michael Mills and Sheila McNabb and Susan Goodman and Dennis Kay. Dennis Kay comes on this a lot. So thank you for joining us uh, today. And we'll just uh, see who else joins us. So, you know, the uh, interesting thing about today to me uh, is um how the world has changed. I mean, this is already uh, the end of August. And I think back to uh, the uh, governor of Texas saying, and of every governor saying that you have to close your business. And we're talking about pivoting and, and transitioning and evolving. I've had a lot of personal tsunamis and uh, pandemics mm -hmm. in my personal and business life, but I've never been told to close my door. Um, and one of the things that I said to myself was that I'm not going to go dark. I, I cannot and will not go dark. I have no idea what, but I cannot and will not go dark. And what that meant to me was I was not just going to sit here and do whatever. I was going to get up, do my morning routine, get mm -hmm. dressed and go to the spa. Mm -hmm. And um, during that month of April, we sold almost uh, as much as we sold in product the Novitas wow. clinical products as wow. we did in March. And wow. that was predicated on being there mm -hmm. and not just curbside, but we do ship around the United States. So as long as FedEx was open, <laughs> I was that's right. But the other reality of it is this show came from that season. Mm -hmm. I started doing zoom calls with my staff uh, because I knew I had to stay with them. 
and um, just keep the morale up. Because again, we all didn't know what was going to transpire. Was it going to be two weeks, a month? Yeah, we had no idea. So we started doing um, connecting and they loved it and they were just jibber jabbering with each other. And then I said, why don't we do um, a show like this and we'll call it the pop-up shop. So we said, oh, they loved that idea. And Sarah's in her bathroom putting eyelashes on and Gigi's doing peels and everybody chose mm -hmm. a, a subject. But so from that, um, I one day, a, a person that I knew uh, just on Facebook said that she was going to, uh, she was working on a, um, uh, a directory for alternative medicine. Mm -hmm. So that's very interesting. So I, because we had StreamYard now, I mm -hmm. said, oh, well, let's, you know, explore that. And so I invited her on. So my coach is here. And I, you know, uh, we did that show and mm -hmm. people responded and they enjoyed it. And so I thought, hmm, but it was really about she, not me. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I didn't want to focus on any really about what's going on. Like I just shared, I'm just giving mm -hmm. you a little background mm -hmm. to this, my media coaches. But um, that is how this began. Mm -hmm. And um, I've seen that people are enjoying this to... Uh, I've uh, interviewed Roland w uh, Wade, who is the um, assistant um, police chief of the Georgetown police, you know, mm -hmm. and um, and so, I mean, to other people doing many other things. And mm -hmm. so I'm trying to have a cross section of people in different uh, arenas. But the thing that I truly see is how people that are watching and joining us, that our guests, just really are enjoying hearing other people's stories mm -hmm. and giving them hope and possibilities. Mm -hmm. So, so Mike and Kim, you were going along, your children are growing mm -hmm. and involved with your kids. And um, so before this whole um, uh, health, uh, you know, pandemic happened, um, a, a personal challenge happened in your lives. So uh, from whatever you'd like to share, Mike, share what transpired, you know, with your shift in your uh, Sure. Uh, I had new managers come in. It was a, a three-headed monster, I guess you could say, in a nice way. Mm -hmm. uh, and when the third one came in, that uh, she convinced the other two that I didn't know my job very well and I wasn't very good at it. So over the course of a year, I got lectured, chastised, threatened, punished, and eventually fired. And on March 29th of 19, uh, I lost my job. And Kim and I, I knew it was coming because of the way I'd been treated. I had a terrible meeting in December. I had a terrible meeting in on February 1st. I had a terrible meeting in early March. I, I, I knew it was coming. It's just a matter of when. And uh, Kim and I talked about it. And, and I knew she'd already started Barnes Team Media. And I'd helped her a little bit on the side. But she'd been doing it, you know, part-time and, mm -hmm. and trying to figure out the direction she was headed and, and what she was going to do as far as training and coaching people. And we talked about it, said, you know, I'm going to lose my job. I know I am. What do you want to do? You know, we have lots of options. You know, do we need to sell the house and move somewhere? You know, me get a job, still as a sportscaster somewhere else, her get a job doing something, her get a job in news again. We had so many options, which was good to play with, but she knew she had started something that she was very passionate about that she was very good at. And I knew that I could help her. So we said, you want, let's do this full time. The two of us full time. We're great together. We're, we're a good team. That's why we've been <laughs> married and, and still do so well together in marriage for the last uh, 28 years is that 
we, we know what we're doing. We know we're, what we're getting into and we know each other's strengths and weaknesses. Let's see if we can capitalize on that and go from there. And, uh, and truthfully, it was, it was tough for the first uh, year, mm-hmm. roughly, just because it's, it's, it's tough trying to convince people. Kim may say differently, but it's hard to go up to somebody. It's hard to go up to Megan and say, Megan, it, you have a great show. You really, really do. But could we work on some things? I've got some things I'd like to help you with because <laughs> the way you're talking, the way you're communicating, it's just not really working very well. Right, right. It's just not good to do that to somebody. It's hard to convince someone that they need help. Now, when a lot of times when you do something like play golf or dance or, or something where you I'm not very good, I need a lesson. But so many people out there, especially guys, especially men, are overconfident about the fact that they're really good on camera. No, I'm really good. Actually, I'm pretty good at this. I, I think I'm okay. I don't, I don't need any help. So, okay. So Kim and I are, are brainstorming, trying to, to figure out different ways to, to lure people in, to convince people that, you know, you're good, but you're not as good as you could be, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then the pandemic hit and, you know, God talks in crazy ways and the pandemic hit and so many people went to work at home. And because of that, so many people were on zoom and they realized, Oh my gosh, I, I don't know what, what, what am I doing? I'm looking down here. I don't, I, 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 this is hard. Would you help me? And we've been doing it nonstop since the middle of March, mm-hmm. trying to help people, whether it's uh, uh, the challenge like you took, uh, you know, different workshops, different zoom workshops and, and all kinds of different things. And, uh, it's, just, it's really, it's, it's paid off and it's just uh, a blessing. Well, and so, and so much of those have been people that you wouldn't, you, in ways that you wouldn't even realize that we, we had one client that does governmental contracts. Mm-hmm. And so they have to go through their process of, you know, the interview process and the question and answer process for the, to be able to get this contract. And it's always been in person. Yeah. And they realize that this is a big contract. We need to show up as our very best, you know, put our best game face on. And so we coached and worked with them mm-hmm. to prepare them for their, you know, for, for their bid contract or mm-hmm. their bid proposal or bid questionnaire. So again, sometimes it's people, uh, it's, there's so many uses of being on camera now that you might not even think about. It's not just creating a video, yeah. which is what you typically think of, but it's internal trainers, you know, that are having to tr- present to their companies and uh, in, in, into their employees or onboard new employees mm-hmm. or things like that. So it's, it's, it's been interesting to see the the kinds of different people that have come to us. We have it's a wide range. We've had some professional speakers because you know they're used to going to a you know a banquet event. room, yeah. a conference room, banquet room, and talk to hundreds or thousands of people, and they're there and they're they're seeing the audience, they're they're mm-hmm. feeding off the crowd and the energy, yeah. and this is great. And now they just have this, and they're trying to be able to do the same thing, give the same speech, but to a little camera with a computer and nobody around and you're not hearing anything mm-hmm. and it's completely different. It's what I did for 30 years as a sportscaster, but it's completely different for the, you know, the public speaker who's used mm-hmm. to, you know, the, that the audience, energy. That, that energy. And, and, and we keep talking to them. And as we talk to more and more, they're like, Oh, I just feed off that energy. And, and it's hard to do it when I don't know what the audience is thinking. I say, you know what? You've got to visualize that audience. I did that for 30 years and you may not be exactly right every time, but whether I was, you know, showing highlights of the Longhorns or talking about the Cowboys or, or even doing a sad story about someone like Daryl Royal uh, dying, passing away. I knew the way that most of the audience, not all, but how most of the audience would react, how they would, would react along with that story. 
and I would feed off of that visualization that I saw in my head. And it's the same thing that, that you have to do as a public speaker is that you've given the speech before. You've been in that room to, to dozens of people, hundreds of people. You know when you say X that they laugh. You know when you say Y, they go, wow, really? So feed off of that react to that just like it's happening because you've seen it happen. Now, if it's something brand new, it's a little bit different, but you're an experienced speaker. So, so find that energy that you have in that room and use it on the screen. And, you know, you said in the beginning of our conversation about how uh, being um, somewhat, you know, unsure of yourself and shy as a young man, that uh, being in the camera was so comfortable for you mm-hmm. and look how god works meaning just evolving and and preparing mm-hmm. you for such a time as this mm-hmm. it's amazing to me uh of, of those dynamics just today guys just today i had a um an uh, appointment with an attorney for a will i don't have an updated will and when i made this appointment um she said oh we're going to be doing a zoom call Okay. Meaning, so here was with this uh, gentleman that I'd never met before in my life and we were doing a Zoom call. So like you said, it's from the small of small to a public speaker. It's Mm -hmm. fascinating what is happening. And I don't believe I'm, I know people are craving to be with each other, but Mm -hmm. I don't think that like anytime soon, this attorney, for Mm -hmm. instance, who really um, with his practice, like you said, should have his whole team be trained mm-hmm. you know, to conduct. Well, because yeah. think about, I mean, if you think about just the efficiency of being yes. able to see a client and them not having to drive across town, them, you know, there's, there's, there's so many, there's so many benefits to the efficiency. Mm-hmm. We do miss that in person, mm-hmm. but if you can get really good at it mm-hmm. and be able to, you know, not have to go see your client, but once every in person, once every six months, instead of every quarter mm-hmm. or instead of every quarter, you know, maybe you don't have to see them once a quarter instead of every month. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about the so time and money efficient. that it can save yep. when you can be effective. But I mean, you, obviously you need to be effective. And what's been interesting is that it's, we've actually had even people that have reached out, we're going to help, you know, a little bit with something that for for some some seniors in high school in the Dallas area. And I've had some people that have asked about the seniors in college who are going to be applying for jobs and doing job fairs starting in September that are going to all right. be virtual. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how you show up is really important in just how you're going to be perceived. And so like it or not, you yeah, know, when, when we started do, doing these these. I guess you could say Zoom workshops. I know sometimes it's not Zoom, but the workshops for people about communicating on camera for, for their job. When we started doing them back in March and, and from day one, basically, we would tell people, you know, I, I really felt, and, and Kim did too, but I really felt that a lot of people had so much grace mm-hmm. about things back in March and even into April about how, oh my gosh, I'm just so glad that we're able to see each other. I'm so glad we're able to still do some business. I don't care what you look like. I don't care that you're messing with the camera. I don't care that you're not looking at the camera and you're looking around. We can just get something done. Thank thank goodness for that. But as time has gone on and you know, some people thought, oh, after two months, it's all going to be over. Uh, by July 4th, it'll all be over. By the fall, it'll mm-hmm. all be over. And as it goes on and on and on, and it, not, no offense, it doesn't seem to be getting very much better. But as it goes on, the grace is slowly but surely going away because now most people, you don't want to see some guy or, or gal 
show up, you know, in their robe, so to speak, for a business meeting. You don't want to see somebody show up and, you know, they're down here talking. Hey, Megan, how are you doing? Let's talk about things. You know, up, up, up. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you want to present yourself like you would present. It's business. Yes. You know, it, it's one thing when we're doing a, a Zoom call with my parents right. you know, for, for Mother's Day and, and my, my father's like this, you know, getting so close that you, all you see is this. Like, can, you, can you see me? It's like, yes, Dad. Everyone sees you. <laughs> but but when it when it's business, there's a reason why people have business attire when they show up for a meeting or the way you act in a boardroom, the way you act in a conference room. There's a reason behind that. And slowly but surely, people are expecting the same thing over Zoom. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're trying to help people so that they can be their best, present themselves the best, look their best, just like you do in person. Mm -hmm. And again, I think it's slowly but surely that grace is going away to where now more than ever. It's how, just expected. Yeah, it's expected. Know. So how you present yourself, especially for a job interview or you're trying to get a client or, or you're dealing with a, a big business person, you want to look your best. It's not a case of, I'm just so glad that we're able to see him and maybe we can do some work with him. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, no, he really, I was impressed because he presented himself well. He talked well. I looked him in the eye. It's like, yeah, you look me in the eye because I'm looking at the lens. I'm not, yes. I'm not looking down here. Mm -hmm. So you no longer can shake hands and uh, monitor that wimpy handshake. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's exactly. Yeah, I have to remember that. One. That's a good that's one. That's very good. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. You're, you're, and, and a lot of times too, if it's a potentially a new client, you're making that. Im you want to make sure that the impression you are intending to make is actually what's coming through. So, so a new client to just use that term. How do you, you mentioned the government contract. How are you connecting? How are you folks um, having people, not just in Austin, Texas, but nationally, possibly internationally, know that uh, what you do and how, uh, not only what you do, but mm -hmm. your availability? A lot of it's word of mouth, mm -hmm. truthfully. I mean, we, we got a big client in California and it was just because they just happened to see something that we had on Facebook where a friend of a friend mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. connections and they they saw that what we were doing, contacted us, interviewed us, and mm -hmm. we got the job because of it. And mm -hmm. it's it's because once people work with us and like you, you, you take our, our, our class, you know, take our, our challenge or, or do a workshop with us and you realize the knowledge that we have and the way we're able to help people look better and you know, learn how to look at the lens, et cetera. Uh, then they tell other people and we keep, gosh, we had a, we had a, a meeting last night. We have an, an advanced group that we uh, have the summer and we were talking with them last night and they were going on and on. There's three people at the very end. They were on the, the call with us, the, the zoom meeting. And they were saying, Oh, I'm telling everybody about this class. Cause you, everyone needs to take this class. And we're like, well, thank you for one, but thank you for realizing how valuable it is. Because mm -hmm. again, now more than ever, because everyone almost is on, some type of zoom meeting to be able to, to do their business. And if you're not connecting on, on camera very well, you're not going to be in business for very long. No, no. And not expand like your horizons. Like I said, you know, from a doing a, well, Facebook lives and different mm -hmm. things over the last couple of years, yeah. but to when this happened saying, I cannot go dark. Mm -hmm. and yeah. Yeah. To take that. But I took your initial course before uh, it all shut down mm -hmm. and what was interesting while I was doing the then of course learning that you can't do two people on a Facebook so that of course then stream you know, had we had to seek that out but my point is that uh, 
you guys were in the back of my head talking <laughs> to me. Get up, look at that camera. Yeah, oh, that's right. You know, and um, so I am going to be taking your mm -hmm. certified course uh -huh. um, because it is, it, you never learn it all anyway. And it is about experience, but you need to learn from just even coming, folks. I'm going to share a little back story coming in um, on camera. They were critiquing the lighting uh, in here. And, you know, we've tried, Elizabeth and I, to improve, and we have, right? Yeah, you have. Yeah. Yes. We move things around just a smidge. A smidge. A couple but, of but you're always learning. It's not right. going to stop. And this is really the beginning of how it is going to evolve. Yeah. It really mm -hmm. is. Yeah. I, have, I have to tell you a funny story about that. Is a couple of weeks ago, we were, we were in Houston to do a, a Presentation. A presentation for a conference for a direct sales conference. There were only about 30 people there, socially distanced, of course, but there were thousands watching on the internet on oh, Facebook, wow. Facebook Live. And and you know, it we were we did it for about 45 minutes. And right after us was a lady who was a social media expert. She was talking mainly, I guess, about Instagram. Instagram uh -huh. So she's she's talking for about 30 minutes about Instagram and, and telling all these people uh, the, with, with the, the consultants who are selling stuff about how to use Instagram to be able to sell. And apparently I didn't watch her, but, but apparently she did the whole thing going like this. So here's what you need to do. So you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. And she ended and they had a little bit of a break before the next speaker came on and she wasn't there. She was only uh, from she was home in the UK on, yeah, yeah. on the screen. And, but she finished and about 10 people come up to us and y'all really need to work with her. She wasn't looking at the lens at all. Can y'all help her? <laughs> because some of it you don't know until you don't you know you don't yeah. know what you don't know and then once you, and once you do know then once you can't not you, see you can't yeah. miss it like yeah. said, your voice was in the back of <laughs> sit up straight look at that camera elizabeth the lighting okay you know? exactly. so yes so but back to this woman she mm -hmm. didn't have to do that you know i mean forever in a day she didn't have to do it so she doesn't know you're right. 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 If, you've been, if you've been presenting in person yes. or you've just been, you know, doing your business, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. law, the lawyer that you were talking about, it's a perfect example. That's mm -hmm. not an, that's not a profession that you think of, oh, they're probably out doing video all the time. Yeah. You know, they're, they're doing their work and now they're doing hearings and working with clients. And, you know, there's so many industries that maybe never would have even thought about the importance of being on never. camera. Or doing virtual so and, and just just like anything you can get it done down here but there's an easy way to raise that level up <laughs> and, and to do a much better job and and that's what that's what people are slowly understanding about being on video especially business-wise with, with with zoom meetings yeah. is that the better they look and the better they sound and the better mm -hmm. everything else is the better it's going to be for their business and they're slowly realizing that if you're down here and you know looking over here it's just you may still get some business, but boy, you'd get Just so much disconnect. more if yeah. you're up there. Is, that's right. It's that disconnect. So I want to take a little shift over uh, away from this, but not really. <laughs> but again, when we spoke about um, what, you know, like you said, that, um, and I look back on different, like you said, Kim, I look back on different things that have happened that in the, on the, in the natural were pretty horrible. But on the other side of the coin, I can see God's hand in um, guiding me to that next step mm -hmm. and also learning from those situations. Mm -hmm. So during the, in the early stages after you left KVU, you started uh, your own. We're speaking now about 
um, you know, Zoom and, um, you know, video and so forth. But you started speaking at churches. I did, yes. Uh, I, <clears throat> I mentioned about my last year at KVU being so bad. Mm -hmm. My bosses didn't didn't believe in me and or believe in the way I did things and didn't didn't. They said it wasn't the 80s anymore, Mike. You need mm -hmm. to get into alignment. You're doing terrible. Right. And my first, uh, I'm really good at dates, but I can't give you an exact date for when things changed for me. But, you know, it's fight or flee. At first, I wanted to fight. I wanted, you know, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm not great, but I'm pretty good at what I do, and I've got the awards to prove it. So yes. I wanted to fight at first. And, you know, it started in March. And I want to say by June, maybe July, I realized, okay, this isn't working very well. I'm, you know, I, I can't win this fight. So I've got to turn over to God, and God must have other plans. And Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And I realized that, you know, I hate, I, I hate to sound like I'm giving up, but if something's going to change, I, I don't feel like I can do it because I've tried my hardest. So if something's going to happen, God's going to do it. If God's going to get rid of these three managers – and get things back to normal for me, good. If God's going to get me hired by ESPN or something to where we have to leave Austin, so be it. Whatever is going to happen, I'm going to put it into God's hands. And things didn't get any better at KVU. They got worse. And But I'm still I'm trusting him the entire way. And people people in the newsroom would come back. They'd, they'd see me get lectured, and they'd come back to my office and say, I don't understand how you're able to put up with this because you're one of the best things about this station. If it were me, I'd be kicking and screaming and throwing things, and you're staying so so calm. How do you do it? And I would explain to them that you know, I trust God. God has plans, and I have no idea what they are, and they're they're kind of scary, not knowing what, what this next step's going to be, but you got to have complete trust in him, and if you have faith in him, you'll be much more relaxed and at peace about things. And as again, as those last say six months or so went on, I realized I felt God calling me as I was kind of counseling, so to speak, mm -hmm. these people about, you know, trusting God, that he wanted me to do that with others, that I've got a whole world out there to, to talk to, and that if everyone can trust God like I do, again, doesn't mean I became rich and famous when I got fired because of it, but it kept me at peace. And even on the, the, the day I got fired, on March the 29th of 2019, I go into one of my boss's office, another one was there, and they tell me, your days are, are, are done here. You know, we don't want you working here anymore. Blah, 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 blah. And I, I said, okay. They said, we don't even expect you to work tonight. And I said, are you kidding? I want to work tonight because I feel completely at peace with this. I knew this was coming, that I knew that that's what God's calling me to do. So this is fine. And again, I was at peace with everything. And I wanted to share that peace with the world that God has plans. And the funny, if you want to laugh at it, the funny thing is, that next, you know, that weekend after I got fired on Friday, you know, I just tried to regroup. And on Monday, I start trying to, to find pastors to talk to and just tell people, you know, I've got I've got a speech. I've got a message that I want to share about God, trusting God, loving God, believing in God and knowing that he has plans. And I talked to so many people, mainly people at churches, because it's a very religious speech uh, about it. And they're like, wow, that is great. I really like that. Yeah, we don't really have anything right now to, for that. Uh, maybe in the fall, if you want to talk to us in the fall, that'd be good. I'm like, and you, I get through April, I get through May, I get through June. I, I've been gone for three months from KVU, and I still haven't spoken to a soul about this. Oh wow! Not I mean, no one. No one has brought me on. I'm not even asking for money. Oh wow! I'm yeah, he comes pretty cheap. Yeah. And I said, look, look. If you want to pay me, like I, I'm broke because I don't have a job anymore, but. 
I'm just wanting God wants me to share this. And it's like, yeah, we don't really have anything right now. Well, maybe, part of this was later. like summer programming. It, it was and, summer. You know, yeah, just, I, yes. I realized it, I, I wasn't taking it personally, but I'm like, God, what, I don't understand what you want me to do. I get through July. It's the same thing. It's been four months. And finally in August, I think August 4th was the first one, you know, a year ago, August of 19. Uh, I finally got to share it at a church down south, and I've done 62 times since then. Wow. And I tell people 62 times sounds like a great number. But that means there's been over 300 days where I haven't done anything speaking-wise. Yeah. And I would love to speak. Kim laughs at it since I'm a, since I'm a shy person. Well, but I, I would love to share this message every single day well, with I'm a group. I'm going to challenge you, mister. Whether it's 10 <laughs> people, 100 people, 1,000 people. I, I, I laugh. I tell people that, yes, I am shy. And, yes, it, it took the the, I guess, in my head, as I told you earlier about looking at a person, looking at the lens, thinking it's a person and just talking to that one person. And yes, it, it didn't take me very long to where I was never nervous on camera for the most part. 30 years that, you know, once that first month or so got out of the way, I was fine. Well, I'm going to challenge you to write this down but, and but, to write your book. Well, but, he, it's, well I, it's, I have. Part, it's partly but, written. But, but talk, okay. talking to people was a challenge for me, even after, the, even after I was on TV, even after I was yeah. Famous on TV because it's different when you have eyeballs looking back it's at you if you're not different. used to it. Yeah, but, but I love to tell people, and I tell people in our class sometimes that once you, as a, as a sportscaster, when I became main sportscaster in '98, I had to talk at Texas Longhorn football games on the jumbotron in front of almost back then it was 80, 85,000 people live. And, and live. Now I wasn't looking them in the eye, but it was like being in a room with eighty-five thousand people and an echo right there and an echo. <laughs> I say. Once you do that, a shy guy can talk to anybody, anywhere. So I will talk to any size crowd at any place, anytime. Yeah, his, he's gotten his message pretty much written out. We're just trying to, it's not very long, so we're trying to figure out what to, how to develop for, for a, the book. For a yeah. book. Yeah, but he's he's had, and we've had people who in the past have suggested that that he write kind of our story. Yes, I thought well. I was going to suggest. That, that's I mean, part of this. Part of the story in the book. It is part of the story, meaning take today, the snapshot of today, and this would be, you know, just to weave it together. Mm -hmm. So this is this hour has just flown by, and I know everyone has loved this, and it'll stay on, it'll go on to YouTube, and it will bless many. Mm. But I end this by asking the same question every uh, time. And uh, it really goes back to Sharon Lecter's book that she wrote with Greg Reed, Three Feet from Gold, mm -hmm. because everyone has a story and everyone has their challenges. And uh, I don't know if you uh, both or either of you have read that book, but this have you read the book? Three Feet I have from not. Gold? No, I have not. Well, I've basically, but the basic tenet is that this guy during the gold rush came mm -hmm. from the East Coast to the West Coast and bought a, a vein of some sort and worked it personally. He had no idea what he was doing and he just chiseled away at it. And I might not be saying the whole story correctly, but the bottom line is that he gave up three feet from gold. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a local guy who was watching this. And when he saw that he was giving up, mm -hmm. uh, he bought that uh, from him and three feet from gold and he hit gold. Mm -hmm. And then the, the gentleman that gave up and went back to the East Coast, he became a successful person in the insurance industry. And he said, I will never give up. So mm -hmm. it was that three feet from gold. Mm 
-hmm. But Sharon's, uh, and I guess Greg Reed's, uh, success formula is passion plus talent times association times action plus faith equals success. Now, I'm not going to ask you your whole structure of that, but I ask everyone, what is your passion and what do you think your talent is? And ladies first. I think my passion is helping people. I just love to feel like I had some part in helping them. Mm -hmm. And then I would say my talent is making people feel comfortable. So a lot of it is, is building. So a lot, I think a lot of what we do is build confidence. Mm -hmm. Relationship building and that confidence. Yes. Mm -hmm. I, I would agree knowing you, uh, and you, sir. Wow. Um, that's tough. My passion is probably my family. Probably. Um, it really is. <laughs> you're not sure. Well, well, no, I mean, I love sports, but my, my passion is my family, whether it's my mom, my dad, uh, you know, Kim, the kids, yeah. the dog, you know, yeah. I love them all. Uh, put and put them would, first. I'll yeah. do anything for them. That's true. Um, even the dog. That's so true. My, That's true. <laughs> so, so my, my passion is, is family and my talent. Oh, gosh, I don't know. Uh, my, 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 gosh, I don't know. That's hard to say. Uh, my talent is probably. My, my, figuring things my, out. My, figuring things out. I'm a smart person and, and I'm, I'm pretty good at figuring things out. So whether it's Megan's lighting or, <laughs> or, you know, just figuring out how, you know, how the Longhorns can get to this or this or this and weave their way into the playoffs. Yeah. You know, it, it's mm -hmm. figuring things out. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at figuring things out. Yep. There you go. Wonderful. Well, thank you both for joining me today. And I thank you from everyone that has joined us and will be joining us. And we'll be putting your information on um, where people can get in touch with you because what is truly um, gleaned from this is that A, the time we are living in and mm -hmm. the need for what you offer and what you do. And back to their talent and their passion or passion and talent is what basically building that relationship and sharing mm -hmm. and help, like you said, Mike, coming in saying, oh, let's do this, <laughs> you know, figuring it out. And yeah. you're hundred percent correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just love you both. And thank you again for joining us. Oh, thank you thank so you much Megan. for having us. It was a fun conversation. We'll see you soon. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So thank you all for joining us today, Mike and Kim Barnes. I hope you enjoyed that conversation, as Kim just said. And as you uh, see, what they offer and what they do is so vitally important today to prepare us. And I look forward to my next training with them because I really want to be here for you and to help you uh, share information through people like Kim and Mike Barnes. But I just use the operative word share. Uh, please share this out with your friends on Facebook and uh, we'll be uh, putting this on YouTube. Join our YouTube channel and it's on the Megan DiMartino channel, correct? Official. Uh, the official Megan DiMartino challenge, uh, <laughs> the official Megan DiMartino YouTube page. And it will be on um, uh, Spotify and Apple, you know, at some point as podcasts very soon. But I really would love you, love you to share this out 
and then also go over to the official Megan DiMartino business page because we're building that as we build uh, the other, or I uh, build the other piece of what we're doing, coaching and speaking and writing and sharing with you. Hope and infinite possibilities. So we look forward to seeing you next week on the Unique Leaders Live. It's all about you. And then Monday on Motivation Monday. Thank you for joining me today and have a blessed weekend. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Unique Leaders Podcast. If we said something today that resonated with you, please connect with me at megandemartino.com. I have a free gift for you. My book, Hope and Possibilities, Just Over the Horizon. It's never too early or too late to create the life of your dreams. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. I would truly appreciate it. Be blessed.